Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello everybody, good evening and welcome back to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. It's round 37, there's still a lot to be decided and there are still twists and turns coming. I'm Connor Clancy, your host. Kev Pugzelski is here in a lovely Napoli, no wait, Argentina shirt. Kev, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, giving... Um... No, I'm not giving Napoli out any shouts, I'm just giving Argentina out shouts. You are, and I was trying to think, did um, Sampdoria lose to an Argentine goal scorer this weekend and you were just rubbing it in Vito's face again, but no, that's not the case. Vito, you are here with us. How are you keeping? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm trying to think, was it? Was there a midweek round this week just gone? Yes. Okay, I couldn't remember. It was this week just gone or the week before that? There's so much happening. Kev. Okay, you brought up me. We're a minute in. We're a minute in. We're a minute. I mean, you're already. No, we're a minute in, but you brought up midweek. Because midweek, we didn't get to see all the games before me and you spoke. And you've already brought up Sampdoria. I need to bring this up now. Sampdoria were at home. They wore next season's red oh. away strip. <laughs> I did not realise until post pod that they'd done that, and I wish they—I wish they'd lost against Spezia. <laughs> disgusted, absolutely disgusting behaviour from what Vito will probably claim is the biggest club in Liguria. Because we are. I'm trying to nurse a food coma here, guys, and I'm trying to get through this podcast because I've got two flights to take early enough tomorrow, and. We're a minute in and Kev's already gone off on a tangent. That was as long as the rest of the pod had been up until that point. So, Kev, um, I'm happy for you to go off on rants. Just wait till we start talking about this week's football, yeah? All right. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. mate. Um, Because there's a lot to talk about. Look, I'll, I'll go through all of the results as ever. And a lot of a lot of the results didn't really mean anything, to be honest with you. But the ones that did mean quite a lot. Juve beat Inter 3-2 in one of the most controversial W d'Italia in recent years. Um, a little bit chaotic. Juve are now in with the real shout qualifying for the Champions League because Milan could only draw 0-0 against Cagliari, who had already had their top flight status assured to them earlier on in the day after Benevento lost a lead in stoppage time as Simi scored a leveler for Crotone. That finished 1-1. Elsewhere, Atalanta beat Genoa 4-3. Spezia will also be playing in Serie A next season because they beat Torino 4-1. Rome won the Rome Derby 2-0. Strange for that to be so far down the pecking order, but that's just how things are at this point of the season. Napoli beat Fiorentina 2-0. Samp beat Udinese 1-0. Fabio Quagliarella scored his 12th goal of the season and made things very, very interesting for Kevin and I going into the last round of fixtures. Parma lost 3-1 at home to Sassuolo. Of course they did, but Bruno Alves scored on his last home appearance for the Crociati. So there was something 
for me and the Parmigiani to get happy about. And Verona Bologna play on Monday night, but it's Verona Bologna, so we are recording on Sunday and we're not going to talk about that because their seasons are already over. Um, So, I think there's only one place to start. I think it's got to be the Derby d'Italia. And Vito, I for one have to address the fact that a a week ago I sat here on this podcast and said Juventus have Sassuolo and Inter next. There's no way they're taking six points from those games. They've gone and taken six points from those games. And to beat Inter after they had taken their Scudetto away from them, that is a huge, huge result for Andrea Pirlo and his players. Oh, it's a very... They're both significant results, and uh, with the way things stand, um, there's still one point away from the Champions League spot, so going to the final day, uh, it's really made things quite exciting. Um, in general, well, the result was indeed a controversial one, as uh, there were an abundance of decisions that uh, I think both sides can feel aggrieved about, uh, regardless of the results. Um, I think the referee, Calvarese, who I think in general is a, Decent referee, but never a great one. I think he had undoubtedly the worst game of his career. So um, I think Juve can be grateful that they managed to come out on top, despite going down to 10 men in the second half. And uh, I think it gives uh, neutrals, you know, something to really follow going to the final day. Kev, you did the report for us on this one. And I tend not to bring refereeing performances and decisions to the table in the podcast because there is nothing that bores me more than talking about refereeing decisions and mistakes however I've never seen a referee so consistently fuck up in a match before than in this one it was unbelievable it was like he was just saying nah 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 I know you two are are big teams. This is my day. And everyone's going to talk about me at the end of it. What what was he doing? I don't know. It was a it was a really it was a really strange strange sort of game. You know, there was potential red cards, there were soft yellow cards that resulted in a red card when you think about the Benton Benton challenge on. Mm. Lukaku and you almost felt certainly in hindsight because you you really had to take a breath after the game and wonder whether it was it I suppose it was this strange strange situation where the game meant so much more for one side than the other that 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 put not necessarily more pressure, but a strange amount of pressure on the referee to try and make sure he was being fair, not being over critical. Where you know there was physical challenges going in right from the start of the game, and I think in the end he just ended up making a a sort of a collection of of, of really poor errors because he maybe overthought them, lent on the VAR maybe a bit too much. And it just led us into both probably sets of fans because, you know, as much as Inter have just won the league, the supporters will feed into this sort of narrative that Juve get given penalties and all these other things um, when they need them most. But Can we talk about the penalties, right? Because there were three. Um there was the one Damian pulled down. I can't remember who. I believe it was Chiellini. Chiellini. Then Delict stepped on Lautaro's leg inadvertently, but he went down. And then Juan Podrado stepped on an interplayer and got a, a penalty for it. But of the three, I think the the inter penalty was a penalty. It was it was unfortunate, but I think it's I think it's a penalty um, because he he steps on him. So. I think that should be a penalty, but I, I'm aware that Modern I could be completely wrong on that. Yeah, quite possibly, quite possibly, right? But I'm not 39, so I do have a different opinion on what penalties are than you, possibly. But I thought the other two, particularly Quadrados, I was sitting here laughing at it. How on earth has he given that as a penalty? So personally, I think one from three are penalties. Vito, Kev, can I get a number? One, two, three, zero? Uh, uh, 
Well, let's go one and a half. The Damian one, Damian one, Damian one's a penalty. You know, he's pulling him back. You know, he doesn't. He Damian gets sort of split between looking at Chiellini and looking at the ball. Right. Oh. So do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna expose myself as being like a, a biased moron here, but I don't think that was a penalty. But I think the one that Napoli were given today was a penalty. The reason for that is. In a box, when there's a player trying to run past a defender, I think the defender's perfectly entitled to put his arms out like that, right? It's not like he was ripping his shirt off his body or anything. He was just putting his arms out, and I, I don't see how that can be. But anyway. I, I think if you've got a curled arm, as Damian had, and it goes around his waist, you know, you're, 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 you're giving yourself a, an issue there. The Dillick mm. one, you know, again, we're probably just generations being different that... I don't know. I, I'd, I'd be fuming if I accidentally trod on someone's foot and they'd rolling around and giving a scream and whatever. Oh, I would if I was the the offender. But if I'm Lautaro there and that happens to me, I'm f- even more fuming if that's not given to me. <laughs> but, but I also don't think that it stops him doing anything significant. It's where I sort of said about shots that are flying off into Rose Ed and they suddenly strike somebody's elbow and the person stood a yard into the goal. It's like, there needs to be a little bit of common sense here. And not on the ref side, but on the ref side, on the player's side, on supporter's side, and anybody else who wants to then go and spend two hours of their life taking stills of of TV footage and then tweeting them out and doing all these other just crazy things. Um and I'll just hold my hands up to the last one. I was too busy trying to write up what had happened with the Chiellini own goal. <laughs> that, but but it did look a little bit like the ones that you'll see, I suppose, that the attacking player plays for because he tries to step across the defender that's running with him. But actually, in this case, it looked, from what I saw after, that Quadrado almost steps in, yeah. into Perisic as that... opposed to a pot across, across Perisic. Um, so, yeah... I'd, I'd go one and a half on this. Let's sit on right. I say one. Kev says one and a half. Vito zero, one, two, or three. Now one for me. Uh, the Chiellini one is not a pen. Uh, I can understand why in Italy it might be given because of the way Dar- Darmian had his arms, but I think Chiellini was uh, looking to initiate things a bit more and yeah, typical of Italian football. Chiellini went down too easily. Second <laughs> exactly. one. Uh, second one, yeah, just um, even if uh, Delict wasn't intentionally stepping on the heel, I think just doing it that way, that was more of a penalty than the others. As for the third one, yeah, clearly Quadrado runs into Perisic. Look, I thought Quadrado was Juve's best player on the day. I think mm. he showed more endeavour and initiative than all the other Juventini on the pitch. Um he scored the goal to make it 2-1, although there was a bit of a deflection. But uh, in general, his play was pretty impressive. And he took a pretty good penalty, actually, just to convert the way he did, nice and low. Uh, didn't give Andalwich much of a chance to save it. So they deserve some credit. But, yeah, just for that actual decision, I think he runs into Perisic. Um, Perisic doesn't do anything to really... You know, run uh, Quadrado down. So I think uh, with the penalties, um, yeah, Inter have a right to feel grieved. I, I do think that the um, the first penalty for for Juve was quite um, clever, if you like, from Juventus because I think they had four or five players yeah. grouped there, three or four inter defenders, and they just mm. all charged forward together. And with the amount of bodies, arms, legs in there. If you know, if they all fall to the ground, then then you can probably pick something out of that and find a, you know, find some foul play. Oh well, it's no. the it's the typical cunningness or stereotypical cunningness that I think people have witnessed in the Italian game for decades. And uh, you know, um, uh, Juve they're one of those teams who they're very good at it you know they know how to earn these so-called professional fouls so um it's frowned upon in certain football cultures but at the same time uh italy's one of those countries where they'll say that um you know you've got to hold the referee to account and uh, a better referee than calvanese um would have uh, looked at it differently or interpreted that situation differently 
Well, what was interesting about the uh, Juventus penalty was Ronaldo after he scored. I don't know what we call it. Do we call it the Ronaldo 12? But I think it was the first time, <laughs> first time I'd ever seen an ounce of humility from him because he kind of did a half jump and turn because he was, I was a little bit embarrassed about it. Sort of no, nah, I thought it was poor that he did it, to be honest. I mean... But it was like, but it was like mid air. He sort of started doing it out of I don't know, you know, just out of instinct, and then thought, oh <laughs> crap, I actually, I actually hit that penalty right out of hand, Damovich. So I, I saw it as a bit of humility that he kind of did it, and he was also almost embarrassed as you saw him on the slow mo turning back round to the Juventus players that were chasing around him. Um, but yeah, he probably he probably should have just ran away or whatever, or just waited for his uh, his teammates to greet him. Yeah, I think he probably should have. Can we speak positively about an actual football player, Juan Cuadrado? And I know, Kev, you gave him your, your man of the match on this. You did the ratings for us. And Vito, you've also written positively about Cuadrado for the site in recent weeks. So, Kev, difference maker on the day, really. Yeah, and he's been one of the, he's been one of the few positives for, for Juventus this this season with his performances you know they for someone who's probably well you look at the way he plays the game you think he's probably when he's asked to play fullback he he does it not begrudgingly but you know but he'd like to be further up the pitch but it does provide you a a platform to you know on the team sheet it looks like they're always starting with a back four but it's very much a free whatever whatever when they're attacking and then pulling back into a four afterwards and um at the weekend, he was he was their entire attacking or creative force, if you like, in the first half. Albeit they didn't get many shots off, but it was him that was overlapping, creating crosses. Obviously, excellent instinct to 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 be there to be able to take those sort of three or four strides forward and then hit that shot and just he knew it was injury time. He was just going for pure power, and you know, as, as Vito said earlier, he took he, he got a little bit of uh, good fortune by it taking a. Slight deflection off the heels of Ericsson. Um but you know we're 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 at the stage of the season when we're talking about our teams of the season, and I I kind of had him in the fullback position, then cheekily asked if I could put Gieser in as a wing back. But um, he is; he's one of the few positives for Juve this season. I wrote about Quadrado after the Fiorentina Juventus game, so. For anyone who hasn't had a chance to read that article yet, uh, have a look. It's about uh, Quadrado and what an underrated play he's for Juventus. Uh, I've noticed more so on social media than, say, mainstream media or anything else that Quadrado does get a bit of uh, criticism from Juventus supporters. But uh, I think he's a guy that, you know, deserves more credit and recognition. Um, He's... He's up there with the most assists, and at one stage, I'm pretty sure he's still up there for the most assists in Serie A this season. He's got at least 10. Um, he's he's still quick, although he's going to be 33 years old soon. He can put in a lot of good crosses, and he still has that attacking endeavour and initiative. So although Juve have had the fair share of household names since he arrived at the club in 2015, um, he's been a pretty consistent performer for them. and. Uh, you know, you could even say he's one of the unsung heroes. I absolutely agree. He's a player who, before this season probably, maybe at some point in last season it changed, he always irrationally wound me up and I could never quite work out what it was about him. But there was just something about him that got under my skin. This season, I absolutely love him. I think he's great and I do agree 100% Vito. He's absolutely an unsung hero. Really, really good player. Really useful, versatile does what he's asked wherever he's asked to do it. And I think Juve would be in a much worse place without him. Kev, you mentioned the team of the season voting and I was torn between going for Quadrado or Hakimi at right back. I ended up going for one, but he's quite clearly going to be named in the team of the season now. So I'm going to change my vote to the other one just to give him a little bit more recognition. <laughs> so I'm I'm not happy that you've gone for Chiesa there, considering our team of the season will line up with a back four. <laughs> it's a bit scandalous having Chiesa yeah. there. Um, but what can you do? That's just the way team of the seasons work. 
teams of a season. Yeah, teams of a season work sometimes, right? It's not necessarily meant to be functional. Um, Vito, what does this mean, win mean for, for Pirlo? It's a big week, you know. Since we last spoke, they've picked up two big wins against Sassuolo and now Inter. With Milan slipping up, they have every chance of, of qualifying for the Champions League and winning the Coppa Italia on Wednesday against Atalanta as well. If he does that and gets them into the Champions League, not the worst season for, for Juve. Well, probably not the worst season, at least for Andrea Pirlo. As for Juve in general and the club philosophy of winning is the only thing that matters, I'm sure, look, they'll be happy with the copy tally just because they won something. But uh, for them, I don't think it'd be what they're really looking for. I'm sure they were really having their eyes on the 10th Scudetto in a row. But I think that's been, uh, you know, their season in general has been disappointing. And I think if they do get the Champions League and if they do win the Coppa Italia, I think it would just cover up more cracks. I think mm. Juve have more problems that they want to admit publicly um, and they really need to assess their squad. I think uh, their cycle has ended and it's not just with Inter winning the Scudetto. I think in general, they just got to um, offload or force some of those players to go. They need to reshape for the future and focus on building another top side. And uh, as I've said in previous podcasts and even on guest appearances on other podcasts, uh, I think they really need to look at technical ball-playing midfielders who can really control things in the middle of the park because um, you know, Ronaldo and Dybala can only do so much and Dybala has struggled for fitness this season. So... Um, that's been concerning. Uh, Kulusevsky has struggled to fit in in his first season with the Bianconeri. And uh, uh, Quadrado, we've talked about him, he's been fantastic. But also you've got Chiesa when he's been fit or he's been in uh, the right position. He's played well. But, uh, um, yeah, just central midfields a glaring weakness. And it's been a weakness for years. They haven't properly addressed it and... Offloading Pjanic to spot his age, I think, uh, uh, was a wrong move, especially with uh, Arto being one of the worst season signings in Serie A this season. It's funny, that move, right? Because it hasn't worked out for anybody. Because Pjanic has been dreadful or to the point of almost just not being part of Barcelona's squad this season. And Arto, I am kinder to him than both of you are. I know this, but it's not been a successful signing for for either the clubs or the players involved, I guess creative accounting is probably what we could call it and little more. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to go talk to you and Burns about Serie Feminile, where the relegation fight has gone to the very, very last day of the season. It's getting very exciting over there and we'll be back in just a moment. Ewan, thank you as ever for taking the time to come and talk to us about the Serie A Feminile penultimate round of fixtures. There was plenty of excitement as ever. Talk us through what's been going on this week. So it looks like the Serie A Feminile will have some drama on the final weekend, but it's only going to be at the bottom of the table because going into this weekend, Napoli was sat just above the drop zone. They were three points ahead of San Marino. They both had winnable games this weekend, but Napoli fluffed it because um, they were away at Hellas Verona, who were only just above them in the table. They are safe, but they're pretty much similar to the men's team, actually. They're kind of in free-for-all. Um, and they drew nil-nil, whereas San Marino, they were away at Bari, which the team's bottom league, which you know they absolutely had to win that. And they did manage to do 2-1, but it was a very, very nervy game. But that means going into the final weekend, they're only one point behind Napoli. Um, so... It's very much still doable for them, but they've got they both got tough games. San Marino are playing Fiorentina, who are in fantastic form, and Napoli are a, a home to Roma, who we all know are one of the league's better sides. They incidentally played Juve this week, and um, of course Juve became champions last weekend, and they've maintained their incredible 100% record in the league. They won 1-0 in Rome, so all they've got to do is beat Inter next week, and they'll have won every single league game this season. 
But I, I'm sure Roma can live with losing that league game, seeing as they not Juve at the Coppa Italia last month. The other big game of the weekend was Milan against Sassuolo. Um, Milan are in second, which is the last Champions League spot. But Sassuolo cut the gap to three points last week, so the Neroverde needed to win this one to stand any chance of nabbing that Champions League spot off of Milan. But it ended nil-nil. So seeing as Milan had been second all season, it would have been pretty pretty cruel on them if they'd suddenly missed out on it at the death like that. Um, elsewhere in the league, there was wins for Fiorentina and Florentia over Empoli and Inter, respectively. But next weekend, all eyes are on that relegation battle between Napoli and San Marino. It'll be really interesting to see if San Marino can pit them at the line. But I suspect there may be a few eyes hoping that Juve fail to get that 100% league record on the final day. And we're back. And Atalanta will be joining Inter in the Champions League next season because they beat Genoa 4-3. And Vito, it was a fantastic first half from Atalanta. Then Remo Freuler went off and things didn't go too well. But the, the first 35 from Atalanta, that's what we really expect to see from them at this point of the season. Oh, it was uh, quintessential Ladea, to be honest. They just totally controlled the game. Uh, it was very hard for the Griffone to take the ball off them. And uh, uh, Gasparini's men were just passing the ball as they placed. Uh, Duvan Zapata and Ruslan Malonovsky, uh, they were very important in that first half. They played uh, very well, involved in the goals. Malonovsky more so because he was involved in the third, which was scored by Robin Gozens. But uh, even... Um, you know, even the you know the central midfielders, like you said, Roman Freuler and uh, Martin Darun, uh, they were they were playing their role, helping with the defending, linking up with the defenders, and uh, you know giving those uh, defensive players extra protection. So the way things were going, I don't think Gasparini could have asked uh, any more from his players in the first forty-five minutes. Kev, it wasn't so smooth sailing in the second because. They conceded almost immediately. Then Mario Pasalic scored and it looked to be comfortable from there on out. But Atalanta are a bit of a silly old team and they ended up kind of hanging on at the end. Yeah, they, they started quite slowly in the first half though. The first 15 minutes, I think there's two or three chances that Genoa probably should have done better with if not taken one or two of them. And in the context of the weekend, they were the first playing of the size chasing Champions League. So it was a strange one to see them looking so so edgy, if you like, because they weren't playing the game on the back of, say, Juve winning and Milan winning and knowing that, you know, there was there was pressure on them to pick up some points for these sort of final Champions League places. And even with that said, Atalanta aside that kind of strike me as a team that kind of know know what they're aiming for. I don't mean in top four sense, but playing style that they, they kind of they kind of ignore external factors as to what would maybe play on their minds and they just they just go out there, try and attack the opposition, keep it relatively tight, not always that tight. Um <laughs> Not in the first 15 minutes, you see, when all of the defenders just went away and Melagoni just played a, a straight ball off the pitch yeah. and Ravella was in. So it was weird. So like when, when Pandev scores the pen in sort of 65, I think if the um, if the, the third Genoa goal comes a little bit early in the last five minutes, then... And maybe we, we could have saw a sort of a really surprising draw hit. But obviously they, they kind of they kind of rode it out. But yeah, it was it, it was a little odd um just to see Atalanta maybe worrying a little bit about how they were gonna finish this year because they're in stuck such a strong position. But you know, ultimately they got the three points, that's all they care about ahead of Wednesday. No, that's exactly it, right? And Vito, I'll bring you back in for this one because the they don't care that it was 4-3. All that mattered is they're back in the Champions League next season. The game against Milan next week is completely irrelevant for Atalanta now. Second, third, fourth, 
makes no odds to them. And they got to give players a little bit of a rest before taking on Juventus in the Coppa Italia final, which they will be desperate to win, especially having lost that game against Lazio two years ago. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's the main thing, uh, well, the only thing that Atalanta really have to play for now because uh, to have uh, Champions League sealed and, uh, uh, as it was uh, mentioned uh, early on, third consecutive season for Ladea in the Champions League, which is a great achievement for one of Italy's provincial clubs. And, uh, yeah, after losing that Coppa Italia from 2019, surely... Uh, the Bergamaschi want to get business done, finally win a trophy under Gasparini, and also it be the second uh, trophy overall because the last time they won the Coppa Italia was all the way back in 1963. So, um, yeah, it'd be great for them to break a trout, and I think to win at least one trophy in this era would be uh, a great thing for them because... Uh, They've really been a great example for Italy's small clubs. The trophy would just be uh, a cherry on top of the cake or the icing on top of the cake. Kev, do Atalanta need a trophy? Because I'm starting to think they might. Because this has obviously been a phenomenal few seasons for them. The fact that they're playing in the Champions League for the third consecutive year next season is ridiculous. But in 50 years' time... Will they kind of need this trophy to point towards and then say all of the other things happened as well? I think I think if you take it from the um, the players' perspective, they they want it almost as a a reward for the the good work they've done for the last couple of years. Um, if you're a supporter, you know when you you were talking about sort of fifty year sign again, it, it needs to be something tangible that they can say you know that that is the symbolization of three four years of of real solid work of what we you know because you put it in the context of the financial strength of Juventus and winning nine straight Scudetto and doing this is 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 your is your trophy for that great period whether it's whether it's even playing football on an uneven financial kill and not, you know, not winning anything else. You know, you, you just need you just need those things to put markers as a moment of right. a, a moment in history, and I think that's what's important about them 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 getting a trophy. Yeah, I, I think so too. There was um, there were some conversations about this among some of the the online Atalanta communities, but both inside and outside of Italy earlier in the season and. I was chatting to someone from Bergamo in particular about this, and we had both responded to a poll, which was for Atalanta fans, about would you rather finish in the top four or win the Coppa Italia? I didn't hesitate whatsoever in voting for winning the Coppa Italia because it's a trophy. You know, playing Champions League's 
fantastic. Those games against Real Madrid, Liverpool, City, Valencia, they're huge moments, but to win a trophy is something different. And I do think they need that. It's, it's interesting you say that because I, I almost think that sometimes as, as, a, as a supporter living through a particular era of success, you, even without a trophy, you appreciate it because you've lived through it. They've given you those moments. You, you, you live through the time. Whereas the trophy is more important for the generation or two that come behind you to go, oh, we won something back 20 years ago. How was it? And it, it draws them in, you know, particularly in the age we are now, in 20 years' time, those supporters will be coming back and going, oh, there's the YouTube clip of us beating Juventus in the Coppa Italia. Actually, I think it's probably less, you know, I've always feel it's, it's less important. You know, people always go on about, oh, if you hadn't won this league or this cup or whatever. It's like, no, you remember the great players because you've gone to the ground every week. Well, yeah. not at the moment, sadly. And, and, and you remember them and it's, it's the memories that you take with them. You know, people always go, oh, you know, you lost the league or whatever it was or anything you've lost on a cup final or a league. It's like, it doesn't matter. You know, it's what I remember from those seasons or periods of successes the players I saw every week, you know, Gomez is going to you know, go into history of no medal yeah. around his neck in Atalanta. But if you've lived through it, it doesn't really matter too much for you. I think mm. it's more important for the generations that come behind you that have got that yeah. reference point to look at. I think it's it's easy for a lot of the people who listen to this basically support Inter, Juve and Milan, right? So they might see the Coppa Italia in a, in a bit of a different way because, you know, they're, they're built on Scudetti. Atalanta aren't. And that's the, the long and short of it. I was at the Coppa Italia final against Lazio in 2019. And to be quite frank, I've never seen anything like it in a neutral stadium. And in fact, it wasn't because it was against Lazio. Lazio were at home. But when they were getting the trophy, you wouldn't have known that they even had fans in because the Atalanta fans were just were just there singing as loudly as they had been before the game. And all of the players were just underneath saluting the fans in floods of tears. The squad is more or less the same now. You know, there have been some tweaks, but that core remains the same other than Romero has come in and become a big part of the, the spine of the team now. And I think this really, really matters for Atalanta. And I really, really do hope that they go and beat Juve on Wednesday. And you might not see me next week, guys, to be honest with you. I'm going back to Italy tomorrow and there's no more quarantine. So I'll be out for for quite a time if, if Atalanta get their job done. But anyway, let's move on. Another team who had the opportunity to secure Champions League qualification this week but didn't were, were AC Milan. They played Cagliari, who, as I said at the top of the show, had already had their Serie A status preserved. So they had nothing to play for at the San Siro. It looked like Milan didn't either because it was nil-nil. It was a stinker, Vito. Um, no, you were, sorry, you were asleep because of the time zones, obviously. Kev, this was dreadful. I felt bad for uh, Ben Hughes having to do a report on ratings on this. Yeah, you said Vito was asleep. I was I was asleep. I was, <laughs> I was falling asleep trying to watch it. It was, yeah, it was just that, it was that strange sensation where, I put it on and then put something else on, you know, with the with Stacewood next to me and thought, you keep more of an eye on that because this is going to be, you know, this is this is Milan going, we are back, people. We're in Champions League next year and nothing happened. It was so bad. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like it was a bad performance, you know, and that it was like backs to the wall, calorie repression. And it was just like both teams just said, oh, you know what? I've had a big Sunday lunch. Let's just go out, go through the motions, pass the ball around a bit, not really make make any real clear chances, and you know we we can get this done next weekend. You know we've we've only got Atalanta; they've they've qualified now. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. You know, one eyebrow raised, thinking, "Oh my God, can you not just see Milan messing this up now?" <laughs> because you know why I think that. I mean, so we'll, we'll go on to this later. Because they're playing Atalanta. Well, no, but also because. Because the other side that are fighting with Juve for Champions League is Napoli. And I thought, sitting there this afternoon watching that, if Napoli are going to bugger this up, they're going to bugger up against Fiorentina. Mm. Just because there was that ex excellent sort of symmetry to when they blew the league a couple of years ago. So now at, now Napoli have got over the Fiorentina hurdle. 
and Milan have done this tonight, I thought to myself, oh my God, there's just something within me thinking, Milan are screwing this up, aren't they? After beating Juve in uh, Turin, but then actually I'm not sure if that can happen now. No, it can still happen. What are you oh, saying? Can, sorry, can I was just happen? no, no, just because I was, I was in, I was in confusing myself with the head to head. Milan can go and draw or lose against Atalanta. Juve beat Bologna, and you just think to yourself, "Oh my God, Milan! They, they will, they, they, they can only look back on this calorie game and think that's where we just missed our opportunity." Yeah, um, yeah, guys, do you like conspiracy theories? Oh. On a, on occasion, I'm over them because <laughs> I've seen one and <laughs> I don't understand it. Um, of course, it has derived from Milan Twitter. However, Italian Milan Twitter, which they're not usually as bad as the English speaking Milan Twitter, but this this takes the biscuit right because. I've seen some theories, and at any point, if you don't understand, don't don't fucking ask me, because I don't understand it either. But basically, there is a theory going around now that it's it's already been predetermined that Atalanta will be let to win the Coppa Italia by Juventus in exchange for Atalanta then giving Juventus the Champions League by beating Milan. But that's not how these things work, is it? Because surely it would have to be Atalanta then go and lose a game. Am I missing something here? Well, they're, they're ignoring the fact that Juve would still have to go and beat Bologna. Um, <laughs> it's, it, that's already... Been, it's been agreed, Kev. Okay, It's been agreed. Well, uh... <laughs> if, if you're listening to this and you're a fucking idiot, I'm not being serious. It has not been fixed. Um, am I missing something here, or is that just funny and ridiculous? Or uh, I think somebody said it tongue in cheek once, and it's just snowballed, isn't it? Some some idiot somewhere has decided that yeah, they've taken it with no salt <laughs> rather than with, with a pinch of salt, and uh, and yeah, and it, it's run. It's just somebody's insecure, <laughs> somebody's insecure out there. Should we just move on? Well, yeah, because there's nothing else to bloody talk about. Too, I don't want to talk about game. this game. Um, a game that should be higher up the pecking order, perhaps, but isn't. But we kind of got to talk about it because it was a, the Rome Derby and Paolo Fonts. Oh, Kev, what you want? No, it was about the Rome Derby. It's just I didn't want to. I didn't want to cut you off in mid-flow. But you know, you were saying that it should be higher up the pecking order. My last trip, you know, my last trip before this whole pandemic was the Rome Derby. A quite entertaining road derby. I'm going to say it was two two now. But I think it actually won one one. Anyway, um, and and I as I watched this on Saturday night, I thought to myself, this really does miss fans. Yeah, you, you know, and and and, he, and you know, and it, it you know it could be two sides just jostling for which position they want to finish to qualify for the Europa League. But without fans, I would argue that this is the this is the game that suffers the most without fans because you look at the Derby d'Italia this weekend, you know, great, a bit of physicality, everything like that. The, uh, the, the Genoa Derby is a Derby is a bit like that. This year we've actually had good entertainment on the pitch in the Milan derbies. Yeah. Whereas without fans, I think it is a, it is a real, real shame. Certainly for me as a viewer that, that you know, for the Rome Derby not to have supporters in. I think the the Genoa derby misses them a little bit more because I mean, sorry, but it's two poor teams, you know, and it it, it is the fans that usually sell that as an occasion. Whereas there's enough on the line for for both of the the Roman sides that, but no, I'm not saying that it doesn't miss fans. It absolutely does because both sets of fans are quite good too. But yeah. But can we focus on a positive? Roma won 2-0. Paolo Fonseca, it's a nice way for him to bow out Vito to get a win like this. Might allow some people to forget the, the embarrassing six-something loss at Old Trafford. I don't think anyone will forget that, especially <laughs> considering the heavy losses Roma have had in the history, especially in the last two decades. But uh, uh, a derby win's always a great plus. 
it's great on the resume for coaches you know, to know that they've actually won the derby. So, And uh, for them, I think for Roma, it pretty much uh, dented any hope of Lazio reaching the Champions League. So I think that's an added bonus too. So um, overall, it's been a fairly disappointing season for the Giallo Rossi, but um, having this derby win, especially after losing the first one of the season 3-0, I think it's a good consolation for them. Alistair McKenzie was quick to point out that Lazio still have the head-to-head because they won the first derby 3-0. And he's right, to be fair, because that was that was more than 3-0, really. That was dreadful from Roma. Kev, can you give Fonseca a little bit more? Well, I, I feel he's a little um, harshly done by with what he's got there. Uh, you know, I think he'll, he'll probably quite easily go and get an, another job elsewhere. Uh, I don't know whether he'd be quick to come back to Serie A. I don't know whether he'll try his luck in one of the other major European leagues. But given the, the relative strength and um, of the sides above them, you know, I suppose he's done all right. Yeah, I suppose he, he, you know we'll be we'll be sitting here in twelve months' time, and obviously comparing him against the Jose Mourinho, and if he gets the same out of the a similar group of players, because I don't think we will see we'll see a great deal of movement in in squads this summer because of the um you know the pandemic and everything else around it, and the short um summer period post Euro twenty. 20 plus one or whatever they're calling it. Um, but, but yeah, I've, I've not been too underwhelmed by them other than when they've come up against, you know, the, the, the traditional powers or the, the sides just above them in the league. Mm. All the way down at the bottom. Well, not all the way down at the bottom, but you know what I mean. Simi, 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 Simi. He scored again, but I'm not happy with him this week because Benevento were winning against 10-man Crotone to make the battle at the bottom very, very interesting indeed. Had they won, they would have been on 34 points, Torino 35 and Cagliari 36. However, Simi popped up in stoppage time and equalized for a goal that doesn't make any difference to Crotone season. But it is a big, big blow to Benevento's veto. Sure is, and it stuffed up my match report for a bit. <laughs> I did um... feel for you, actually. Mm. Um, <laughs> sod him good. It's happened to me enough times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just ready to get my match report <laughs> submitted on the final whistle. Then Simi came up with that, and that gave took me an extra five minutes. So. Yeah, that really mucked me about. And uh, yeah, uh, just. Uh, you're free, five. I tried. Yeah, I don't know how long I actually took, but I just say five. Just No, it was okay. It was all right. Yeah. He didn't, so, he did, let's face it. You didn't take as long as Kev to submit the match report, and you got all the details right, not like overlooking a red card veto. So, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, oh my goodness, yeah. Just, yeah, if Benevento managed to get that win, they would have, uh, that would have made things a bit, a little bit easier for them. And, um, yeah, it would have made the relegation battle, yeah, slightly more interesting. But, uh, yeah, Benevento, I just thought, they should have killed the game off earlier. Crotone had Marco Festa, the second choice keeper in goal. He made some good saves, but I do think Benevento should have aimed their shots a bit better. Um, and they showed that they could work hard and grind it out, Benevento. But I think uh, just in terms of the guile combination play, they should have done a lot better. Mm. I think they really could have and they should have made it 2-0. But they just didn't get to it. And then, yeah, uh, Simi spoiled the party for them. So it makes the yeah the Lazio-Torino game coming up really decisive. Uh, Benevento really have to hope Torino don't win that. Or better still, not get a point at all. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Benevento Torino could be the most interesting game of the round next See, weekend. This is it, right? Because it, it very much depends on Tuesday night. If Lazio win, then there's basically 
a playoff a playoff to avoid relegation on the last day of the season in, in Benevento Torino. The first game between the two finished 2-2. So winner stays up. Um, obviously, a draw would suit Torino in that situation as well. But for the sake of the last day, I am hoping and praying and crossing all of my fingers, toes and, and limbs that Lazio beat Torino in midweek because I just want that good drama on the last day of the season. You need something like that. And to get a straight shootout like that will be unbelievable. Matched with the the Milan-Atalanta game, or Atalanta-Milan rather, would just be really, really nice to have that. Considering two teams have been relegated for the whole season and Inter have had the league one since February as well. Um, it, it would be nice to get that onto the last day of the season. Kev, the reason Torino are still in the dogfight is because they lost 4-1 away to Spezia. And I'm going to let you talk about it because you've been hoping and praying that Torino would lose this weekend since they rested six or seven players to lose 7-0 in midweek. And of course, you were quick to point that out on Twitter when they went behind, weren't you? Well, yeah, as you know, it it kind of made my, my match report midweek a little difficult, having to sort of squeeze in seven goals amongst everything else. And I do think there's something quite nice about a coach being found out for being either a bit too clever, thinking that by resting these players, it will give them an advantage in the next game, as opposed to having them play, which we know players want to play. You know, it's you know, it's in their competitive nature. They want to play and it keeps the keeps the muscle memory and it keeps the cohesion. And also just probably my my biggest bugbear is the fact that they clearly felt we can lose against Milan and still stay up because, you know, we'll get enough points. And that may well be the case. But yeah, I'm I'm very much in the I hope Lazio win now midweek so we uh we get this kind of kind of playoff. It'll probably it'll probably really suit the um the the fixture arrangers because they'll probably then be able to split yes. the, the the Champions League games with the I imagine they go and chuck this on at eleven thirty or something on a on a Saturday morning UK time, but I, I think it'll they'll probably split if it is a relegation fight and a Champions League fight. The relegation fight will be Saturday night and the mm. the other one will be the Sunday night, you'd, you'd think. But who knows what Legacy are thinking. We'll find out tomorrow, we hope. But it's Italy, so don't hold your breath. Um, do you know what? We won't find out. We'll be until after that Lazio game because we won't know where the relic Yeah, you know. they're not sure. I've seen some people uh, suggest that because it's kind of irrelevant, because, you know, they can either just say, okay, Benevento, Lazio's, uh, Benevento Torino is going to be on Saturday. Let's just have it then. If mm. Torino win midweek, then so be it. It's still on Saturday. If they don't, then excellent. We've sort of kind of split the games up, but it's not right. it's not affecting anything else. So we might, we might hear tomorrow. Fair enough. Fair enough. Vito, your Sampdoria beat Udinese 1-0. Fabio Quagliarella scored. All right. Yeah, another win. Uh, good to see the season come to a close and also on a positive note. But uh, yeah, not, um, yeah, I oh, just, oh, of course, got to be right with Quagliarella, 38 years old, still scoring. So that's a plus. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I think at this stage of the season with little to play for, um, I'm actually more geared up about the Primavera side. Still on top <laughs> of the table, even with Roma and Inter breathing down our necks. Possibly Juventus if they beat Lazio in the up-and-coming Primavera fixture. So that's uh, Monday European time. So, yeah, in the Primavera, it's looking a lot more exciting. Whereas I think uh, for the senior squad, the Doriani, it's, um, yeah, just just great to get three points. Vito, where can, where can people read about the Sampdoria Primavera side? Well, of course, you, you know... Our listeners, they can read it on the Forza Italian Football website. Uh, there are two more games coming up. So Lazio, Juve is one of them. And also Atalanta, Sassuolo. So 
after those games are completed, uh, you'll get to read about the roundup of round 23. Perfect. Obviously, um, other, other than the Qualiarella goal, um, I found something quite amusing from this game. So just as we were approaching half time, Sam had a corner. They clearly, they clearly arranged this corner routine. So Ogello stood at the sort of the edge of the box and the corner taker, I apologise, I can't remember who it was, was clearly supposed to swing it over so it would fall to his left foot and he'd cut across the ball and have a shot from sort of 20 yards. But the corner taker completely scuffed the ball and it went, it went, went clearly to his right foot. But... Fair play to the lad. He thought, no, sorry, I'm still going to have a shot at this, but it's clearly his weaker shot, weaker foot. And he would have this ridiculous shot, and I think he put it out of the stadium. I don't know where the ball went, but it went high. And I just never saw it come back down again. I don't know if it's somewhere on top of the Dassey Arena or whatever it's called now. Um, but, yeah, it really tickled me. I went, well, you know, I think the whistle blew from the referee after that, and I went walking off to... I haven't put a washing on or something, but it really did tickle me, so that's what I'll mention it. All right, there we go. Um, the other game of the weekend was Parma Sassuolo, Parma's last home game of the season, Bruno Alves' last home game as a Parma player. Parma were wearing kits, um, different kits, but... Their right, funeral kit. See, excuse me? It was their funeral kit, wasn't it? All black? Well... It was a, it, it did look like a funeral kit, but it was a political kit, and I, I completely support this. You know, it was it was all black, all blacked out in 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 support of um, Black Lives Matter, and all of the proceeds from the sales went to charities fighting racial injustice. And of course, you got some morons coming out in the comments um, in the in response to to this. But I'm completely on board with this. I was very very happy to see it, and gorgeous looking kit. Gorgeous, fetching. very fetching. I do like a blackout. I've got a, mm. got a cut. I've got a blackout Liverpool baseball hat actually, which I wear quite a lot. It allows you to go inconspicuous, you know, um, when you're sort of out in public. But it sounds like an excellent cause. I know mm. I joked, but uh, that was without knowing the cause because I've just seen it on the highlights. But yeah, as much as I don't like so many kits, it was a. It was nice. B. It's for a good cause. Yeah, and relatively fitting considering they have lost their Syria. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. So this will be going on the spreadsheet, but it's not going to be getting your backup. You're not going to be annoyed about this one. Um good. Um that's it really, isn't it? Oh, oh, well you missed the Al- Al- Alves goal, which was beautiful if we're just still on that game. Uh, look if someone else on this podcast other than me is going to give glove to Bruno Alves, do you think I'm going to stand in their way? Kev, go for it. Well, it's because it, it kind of came over bounce and he sort of, he were, he had to jump so he hit it midair. But rather than sort of your traditional volley with the laces because of the angle he was at, he had to hit it with his instep and sort of curl it, curl it round. So it was, it took a trajectory which you'd usually see when somebody was curling the ball with their instep as opposed to volleying. And I suppose my main surprise was then when they entered a close-up of who was there, because I think it must have it must have come about on the back of a, a set piece, you know, whether it's corner or a free kick, for the fact that Bruno Alves was that far far forward, and um, yeah, a fitting way to go out, assuming that he's not going to be there next year. No, anywhere, maybe <laughs> he'll be back in Portugal. Um, the his desire, his want is to return and be closer to home with with his family. So in his 40th year, who could begrudge him of that, particularly with the contribution that he's made to Parma in two of his three seasons, let's say. <laughs> two of his three seasons. But also, Inter have him to thank for winning the Scudetto this year because Bastoni wouldn't be the player he is now if he didn't have that season with, with Bruno holding his hand at Parma. So there you go. As I said... There is a game on Monday evening, but it's at that point of the season where it literally could not matter any less. It's Verona against Bologna. No team, neither of those teams can do anything. Verona are 10th on 43 points. They cannot finish higher. And Verona are three points behind, or Bologna are three points behind them, rather. So, yeah, really doesn't matter that much. So, that's why we're here. Time for the game. 
I've got to be honest with you guys. I think I might have chosen this player already, but <laughs> oh well, it's that point of the season, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> right. So if he has Vita, we both get a point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah fine. why not why not who's keeping count anyway all right so two minutes are on the clock kev you ready yeah go for it i need to wait i need to double check that i've got this guy's team correct and he's not actually oh, run God. away beta it's another one of them it's, no it's, it's not it's not it's not one of them um it, i promise you it's not one of them you don't even know you ready way. Yeah, no, I just want to be sure. Right, Kev, take it away. Are they Italian? Nope. Okay, does this player play for a club in Northern Italy? Yes. Is this player from a club in Emilia-Romagna? The team do not play in Emilia-Romagna. Um, Kev? Do they play in Lombardia? They do not play in Lombardia. I'm surprised you went for that, to be honest, because you don't know what teams that eliminates. Uh, three, I'm <laughs> thinking of. <laughs> Vito, your turn. All right. Do they play for one of the clubs in Turin? There was a connection issue there, Vito. Can you repeat the question? Okay. Do they play for one of the clubs based in Turin? <laughs> Kev's going to win because Vito's connection's done. Um... I heard Turin. He said, do they play in Turin? They do play in Turin. So, Vito, if you can, you can continue. If not, we'll just play a minute with Kev. He's moving on Moscow. Is it a, tur- <laughs> is it a Torino player? Yes, they do play for Torino. Is this player a midfielder? Yes, the player is a midfielder. Here he goes, here he goes, here he goes. Okay, is it Thomas Rincon? Oh, it's not Thomas Rincon, but I think I've also done him. Kev, it's over to you. Um, is it Vod 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 Vod? No, because I knew you wouldn't be able to say his name, so I deliberately didn't choose him. Uh, okay, is it Carol Linetti? Stop the clock. Oh, it's Carol Linetti. It's Carol Linetti. Congratulations, ah. Mister Doria. Um, I thought you would have gone with him first once you got it to midfielders, given Sam ties, you know. But it- yeah, true. <laughs> It was interesting, actually, you said, let me check he's playing for him. Because until he played against Milan the other night, I didn't realise he'd made his way to Torino. Mm. He followed Gianpaolo, didn't he? Mm, he did. <laughs> Believe it or not, that was this season. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll be back. That's the end of the Forza Italian Football Podcast for this week. Next time we speak to you, The season will have finished. The Coppa Italia will have been won by Atalanta or Juventus. And I'll either be here or won't, to be honest with you. So, guys, um, we might speak to you next week. Vito Doria, say goodbye. Goodbye. Kev Pogzelski, say goodbye. Goodbye, guys. Lovely to see you. It's goodbye from all of us. We'll speak to you soon. No siete soli, no siete soli. Stiamo aspettando che l'acqua voli, non siete soli. Non siete soli, stiamo aspettando nel cielo che l'aquila voli. Guarda questa curva, questa festa popolare, senti il grido che ti spinge avanti, che ti fa volare. Questo è un dino di rapaci, questa è spezia, che ne dici? Si sente un coro solo quello delle nostre voci e si va, si va con i nostri colori dentro ad ogni città, noi si va, si va, siamo uccelli predatori, siamo aquile, si sa.
queste ali e questi artigli Era un covo di pirati e noi siamo i loro figli Guarda non ti puoi sbagliare, stiamo sotto le bandiere Che hanno un'aquila nel centro e sono bianche e sono nere Si va, si va This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.